Hello and happy Friday, everyone. Today's guest is Miss Andrea Abair or Herbert. I prefer Abair. Um, if you're a hockey fan, you'll know why. We touch on a lot of subjects, including whiskey, health and wellness, guns, parenting. We might have talked about marriage, I think. But all those things combined, um, Andrea has ran a bazillion marathons, is a mom, is the co-founder of Ivy Unleashed podcast, which I've been on and plan to be on again. So give them a follow and a listen. But this was a really good podcast and I think it will impact a lot of people. So sit back, enjoy, and let me know what you think. And again, the only cost I ask is if you think this provides any value, share it with a friend. Have a great weekend. It's whiskey? Yeah, it's whiskey. That's what we're having. Okay. That's my favorite. Good. I've never drank and podcasted before. That's the first time for everything. You know? Same. I haven't either. <laughs> Leave it to me. <laughs> to kick bring it out up. the best? Okay, I don't need that much. I gotta drive. Well, we're recording, so it's already going. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Well, cheers. cheers. Congrats. This Thank is amazing. You. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited for you. This is really fun. Well, why don't you tell everyone who you are? Mm. <laughs> well, uh, I'm Andrea Herbert, and I am a lot of things. I am from Wisconsin. I have lived in Minnesota the last how many years of my life now? Almost 20 and I'm a mom, I'm a marathoner, I'm a podcaster, I'm a health coach, I'm a wife, I wear a lot of hats. You do, that's part of the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast. Mm -hmm. I didn't know you were from Wisconsin, or did I? I hope so. We're in Wisconsin. Diehard Packer fan. Uh, Richland Center, it's a small town. Oh, we, we talked about that. Yeah. We've, we have Madison. A, yeah, and we have that weird, creepy connection of the one person. We won't mention their name. Oh. Wisconsin Dells oh, starting. Yes, <laughs> creepy, creepy for sure. It's funny is uh, on my Facebook, like the people you know has all been people from Platteville. Mm-hmm. Just like that's all it's been lately is like ghosts from the past. I was like, yeah. do I want to add these people? Yeah, no, probably not. All right, so Shout you grew up in Wisconsin. Platteville. Grew up in Wisconsin. You've been here for twenty years. So growing up, I know you're into marathons now. Like, what did you do athletically growing up? Athletically, so. Activities were my life. Like, I grew up without a lot of guidance um, in a house that was really unstable. Um, I wouldn't say unsafe, but, like, I didn't have parents home a lot. Uh, and I was constantly looking for some type of parental figure, and I found it in athletics. And I was pretty gifted with, like, being a fast runner and... Uh, like I'm a lifelong learner, so I love like my favorite part of being on a basketball team was like the halftime pep talk. Like I live for that shit, and so I found myself even being in sports that I was terrible at just for the coach. Maybe not realizing it in the moment, but like now doing a lot of therapy on myself, I for sure sucked at basketball <laughs> <laughs> and figured it out kind of. I was like the sixth, seventh man, but it was totally for the coaches. They had a reputation of really being like masterful leaders and I needed that and so athletics got me out of my house gave me some stability some structure some guidance and so I was in everything like you name it soccer basketball found out in cross country that I'm a really fucking good runner and I like that distance was too short for me like it was it felt like a sprint like I needed another 20 miles which sounds so crazy I know <laughs> but I figured that out when I got out of sports in college, I decided to come to the University of Minnesota to get away from that identity of like small town Wisconsin. Small town. My family was known as like this party house that like everybody in the town hated, and I was like the black sheep of the family, like the one that didn't drink, the one that went to church. Like I took myself to church by myself, and I had a longtime boyfriend. I was known for the sports, and I was like, I want to go somewhere where like people don't know me. Like I'm just known for who I am and see who likes me. So I came to the University of Minnesota, dropped all sports, even though I could have ran cross country for a couple like D2, D3 schools in Wisconsin, but 
I just dropped it and I missed it. And so then when I graduated from college, I was like, I need something. And it didn't necessarily have to be like team sports, but I was looking for some competition. And I found out like marathoning was my jam because I just wanted to beat myself. Like, what am I capable of? Like, I, I love like running in front of people like there's a dude that looks jacked like he's trained for this marathon and i love just like crushing his soul and like sprinting past him it sounds terrible but i i loved it i ran the twin cities one in 2009 and i'm like this is what i've been missing like 100 percent. okay i have that same uh mentality i got it from i think goggins stealing souls so like yes that's why I run, I'll run the uphills as hard as humanly possible just to watch people's life drain out of their face. <laughs> Goggins is a <laughs> fucking animal. Like, his book, I read it and I was just, like, thinking, this dude should have died. Right, multiple times. Oh, my gosh. So many times. So, you read the book. Yes. Listen to it. Listen. Oh, listen. Does he read it? So, he, the guy who actually wrote the book narrates the book but then after each story goggins comes on and tells you like even more in detail like than the book does really yeah so the audio version is a thousand percent better okay and it's the first time you can i can ever say that yeah well he's just like well and i also read um dean carnes's books the ultra marathon man like i feel like reading books like that which that's just part of who i am is reading people's like the tough stuff they've been through because that inspires me to like push even harder like goggins can do what he did i can run another mile right, right. you know like yeah. it's i love reading books like that right before a race i just finished this book called uh, the choice it's mm-hmm. by dr edith eager i think's her last name i'm probably butchering how to pronounce it but she survived the holocaust no and it's way. like her memoir of like doing that getting her phd in psychology and she's a practicing psychiatrist or she was the book was written in the 80s um but she kind of just goes over and that's Another book that was just like, oh. Another one? Yeah. Let's just have a book book off here. Um, right. <laughs> Man's Search for Meaning. I'm listening to that. Victor Frankl was yes. her um, mentor. Oh, okay. So, like, she was introduced to him, and then that's when she was like, okay, I'm going to stop feeling sorry for myself and move forward. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think about that and just, like, how easy our life is now and convenient and how we haven't... You know, I think about, like, I feel like I've been through some hard stuff, mm-hmm. but then I read a book like that, and I'm like, you know what? Life's good. We're good. <laughs> Fact. <laughs> so you dabbled in the, you did the Twin Cities Marathon. That was your very first. Yeah. So what gave you the idea, or your thought it would be a good idea to try to run a marathon in every state? Well, not try. You will, but where did that come from? Yes. Yeah, I, I hesitated for a while to say that, you know, I am running a marathon in every state. It was, I was like, I'm trying to, but it's like, no, I'm doing this. So I... I ran that, and then I think after my second one, which I think was Iowa, Des Moines. Shout out to Des Moines being a really cool city. thought it would be a piece of crap. And that's like in October, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think with that, um, in that marathon, I, I won my age group. Ooh. So then I was like, oh, I might be good at this. And then I ran Madison's and almost like, I was like, I'm never running again. This is the worst thing. Bill's got you. It was like 90 degrees out, oh. and it just it wasn't good. I like pissed myself a uh. little bit. <laughs> it was like pre kids or post kids? Uh, pre kids. Okay, so you don't have an excuse kids. then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was trying to qualify for Boston. I'm running so fast. It's 90 degrees out. My husband or my fiance at the time is wearing has no shirt on because it's so hot out. There was like a black warning, so like some people stopped. Right. And I was like, I hate this. I hate running. Never doing this again. And then I won my age group there. And then I was like, I'm good at this. Like, even though this sucks and I feel like death at the end, it's making me stronger. It's making me tougher. I want to go to all 50 states anyway. And, like, how cool would it be to win a race or, like, keep fulfilling this competitive tank that I need filled? And so then I think, like, around between three and four, I was like, I think I'm going to do this. And my father-in-law is an Ironman, and he was running them with me. Okay. And he was like, I'll do this with you, which he stopped doing them a long time ago. <laughs> but uh, so now I'm at 23 states. Okay. What's been your favorite? Uh, the Marine Corps Marathon. Okay. For sure. It's perfect time of year. 
it's all hot marines giving you water, <laughs> giving you your shirt at the expo. I call it the it's the MCM Marine Corps Marathon. I yeah. call it the Man Candy Marathon. <laughs> Just all these buff dudes. As I'm running with my father-in-law, checking out all the marines, <laughs> like, sorry, Bill, but yeah. Okay. Sure. So where's next? I know you probably have one or two planned this year. I actually don't. I did four in six months recently. Okay. I did uh, Denver. I did Kentucky. I did Austin, Texas, and Kansas. Okay. And it's expensive. And I have three kids. And so, like, buying plane tickets for the family, lodging, all that. So, right now, I want to do Montana, I think, next. It's in September. Okay. So, maybe. maybe Which one? What is it? Billings, maybe? I don't know. You gotta do something cool if it's in Montana, like a big sky or like. Yeah, I can't remember. I feel like there's a smaller town one I was thinking of doing. I go off reviews. Like some are super, like hilly or like there's reviews that say they're unorganized. And if it says unorganized, I'm like peace out. I've done that before, and I don't know which way I'm turning. There's no volunteers. <laughs> like, right. so that's a big one for me. Okay. Um. You know. You said you like to be pushed. And you like Goggins. Have you thought about going? further than 26 not really i like whenever i do it i i think because i probably will eventually i i I could say never right now but i think just there's i think of life as chapters and when i have three kids and a business and i'm juggling a lot like it's just not on the radar right now i feel like maybe when i get done with the all the 50 states we'll see okay i'm guaranteeing you could do a 50k tomorrow no way it's five more miles. You oh, 50K. Yeah. I was thinking 50 miles. You could just slow down just like a half a mi- minute per mile and you'd finish 50K like that. I think because I have this goal in mind, like I just, it's just, that's it right now. And I think eventually I'll probably want something more to see like, can I do it? Because that's just who I am. I'm like, I, I like to see what I'm capable of and then like smash it. Okay. So right now it's like pace, right? It's like... Keep qualifying for Boston, see how quick you can do it, see if you can get another PR. That's kind of where I'm at. So have you ran Boston? No, and I'm like intentionally not running it so that I keep having to qualify for it, even though it's really not right. in the plan. But as you get older, you can get slower too. That's true. So out of the major marathons, Boston, London, Tokyo, Berlin, Chicago, I think that's the, and London, which one would you want to do the most? Well, my best friend currently lives in Tokyo, so that would be sweet. Okay. Uh, I already did Chicago, and um, that's a pretty cool marathon. I'd probably say Tokyo. That'd be cool. Tokyo? Okay. Well, I think the qualifying time is slower than Boston. So, really? Yeah. I haven't really looked at See, I think of traveling internationally, too, and, like, having three kids. Like, I don't want to add a marathon on that, either. I'm like, you know, we'll just keep this right. in the U.S. That would have to be, like, a two-week trip, too. Yeah. Or just go by yourself. Yeah, that would be sweet. I would love to go to Tokyo by myself. Visit my friend, run a marathon. That's an idea. All right, she's putting it out there. Yeah, go fund me. <laughs> <laughs> it's a cheap ticket right now, actually. Is it? Yeah, it's not bad. A friend of mine, well, training clients going there, I think January, February. Okay. And I was like, do you want a buddy to come? Like, by? how cheap? Like, Delta Comfort round trip, like 1500 bucks. What? Okay. See, I haven't looked into it, but I definitely need to in the next two years while she's there. There you go. All right, so you got all that. You're a mom. How do you balance being a mom? Because Jolene wanted me to ask you this. <laughs> and you know, Shout out Jolene. And running 50 plus miles a week, working out. Like, how do you do it all? Oh, that's a good question. Um, every week's different. Every season's different based off of what's happening in the fam. You know, my family also really likes to travel. And so there's times where, like, we're not at home, you know? And so the only thing I can figure out on how to make this happen, which I would have never said this three years ago, is getting my ass out of bed early. Like, it's the only thing. And I wouldn't have said this a few years ago because I would have had a baby, right? And during that stage, it's like, it's just harder, right? Like, you're up in the middle of the night. I was breastfeeding, all these things. And now my youngest is four. And if I get up at four and I have two hours to myself, it is 
insane what you can make happen in your life. I've created a business. I've created an online platform. I've created a lot of a lot of things with the help of my business partner, Brooke. Shout out, Brooke. Uh, we created a business called Gold Ivy Health Co. that only happened because we got our asses up in the morning. And because once they're up, they're asking things of me. I got to take them to school. I've got another job. And then after school, who knows what's going to happen with activities. And so um, that morning time is crucial for personal development, for pushing yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, all of it. Like, that's it is that morning time okay and then like with your morning if you don't have to get up do you still i try to not worry about it on sundays this is my new thing my okay. new thing is like i so in my life i've always felt like i've had to maximize everything like life's a gift i've had a lot of shitty things happen in my life i've lost a lot of people like tragically and so I have this this thing that also bites me in the ass where it's like, I've got to maximize everything. got to maximize my time. i got to move, you know? And so it's it's creating a little bit of anxiety now, I think, because I realize how fragile it is having mm -hmm. kids. And so I'm like, I need to have a day of rest where I don't set the alarm, and that's Sundays. But now I'm like, I need that time for my mental health. Like, even if I'm, I'm, like, I'm not even training for a marathon right now, but that time is, like, sacred because it keeps me balanced and and where I know who I am like you can get so lost as a coach for other people and as a parent and as a wife like who the hell am I and the only time I can get centered in that is before everybody's asking everything of me and I have three kids that are totally different in all different needs and wants and it's wild once they're up you know and a roller coaster and so it, it has saved my sanity to get up. And, and if I don't, even on a Saturday, it bites me in the ass. Okay. So you're not training for a marathon right now. Um, and so it's been fun looking at the demographics. It's like 50-50 men and women that listen to the show. Um, and they're all between, the majority is between 30 and 45. So okay. like right in our so wheel. Us, yeah. Us, yeah. Um, so if you're not training for a marathon, but you're still getting up, like tell people what you're doing with that time. Because mm -hmm. some adults don't know what personal development means, oh, which yeah. is terrifying. <laughs> um, so like, what do you do with that two hours if you're not going for an hour run? Yeah, that's a good question. So I, because I go so hard and I am a go-getter, go, go, go. I started slow with um, reading a Bible verse and meditating before I look at social media because I've got social platforms that, you know, it's fun to look at your likes and comments and all of that. But before that, before any of that comes into my brain, I keep it slow with a Bible app, with meditating for five to 10 minutes at this point because I'm a, a newbie at it. Um, so I started slow and then sometimes I'm on the treadmill walking Sometimes reading a book while I'm walking, just to have that time to actually take in somebody else's perspective, their story, their insight, their personal growth to get ideas. Because, like, I know I don't know what I'm doing half the time. I'm just learning from other people, right? And so um, I would say I started slow with, like, treadmill work or outside going for a run or walking. And now my exercise is all, like, mental health and strength building. So I'm going for shorter runs just so I get the endorphins and I boost my mood and my energy. It's usually like a three to five miler and that can be any time of the day. And Brooke and I with Gold Ivy Health Co have created a move platform that's coming soon, but now we do live workouts. So that's strength training at 6 a.m. to 6.30 in the morning, four days a week. So that's in the morning. And then after that, I edit our podcast, and that's like 10 to 12 hours a week, so that usually fills the last gap before my kids wake up. Okay. That's similar um, kind of to my morning, but like I use, there's no anything. It's just like my me time. Hmm. Alarm, like whatever you need? 3.55, alarm goes off. Like I have a routine. Like alarm goes off, I'll lay there and argue with myself for about two minutes <laughs> every day. It's not like a... Oh, 100%. Once, it'll be like, get your fucking ass out of bed. Um, mm -hmm. Then I'll read for a half hour. 
Mm. Um, and then I, I have this journal. It's called One Line a Day. Uh, my Ooh. friend Chris gave it to me. So it's like whatever I get from the day before or from that reading, it's just like a sentence or a word I'll put in there. Um, I love and that. then I go for a walk. It's awesome. It's pitch black out. I usually see nobody um, on the on the streets. Like literally the other day I saw one car because I, I left the house at 445. I walk, I come home, and then I journal in the red journal. And that's like my real journaling. Okay. Um, cool. And then I have... 15 minutes to figure my life out before my first training client gets here at six. So it's like all about me. There's no mm-hmm. work done at all during that time. I like too that, it, that there's nothing like intense about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I love that. What are you reading right now? Uh, Scars and Stripes by Tim Kennedy. It's pretty good. It's uh, he was an army green beret MMA fighter. He won it there. Had a couple shots at UFC titles. His childhood just bonkers remind me a lot of mine like planning fake missions in the woods, like (laughs) trying to steal stuff from the neighbors without getting caught. Um, And then just doing stupid stuff like teenage boys do. Um, So I can relate a lot to his childhood. It's a lot like random question for you. I feel like you have a really like big draw to like military, like you're very um, patriotic. Where does that come from? Um, I think it comes from, like my dad being in law enforcement for pretty much my whole well, my whole life up until he retired like 10 years ago. Shout out dad. <laughs> um, life goal, retire before you hit 56. Mm. Yeah, I think my dad's been retired for about 10 years now. Um, and he just instilled that in me a lot of, you know, just your American be proud of it, which I think people need to get back to. Um, and then just some of the people I've met, you know, over the last five, 10 years. Um, uh, my friend JP has this really good saying, it's like live to honor them. And it's cause he was a Navy SEAL. He lost a lot of friends, um, doing that job. And he has this saying, it's just like live to honor them. And so like, that's kind of been ingrained in the back of my head too. It's mm-hmm. like my life's easy partly because I'm a pussy and other people are doing the dirty work that I don't have to do. Um, and that's mostly why. Okay. So answer that's that question. A random question. <laughs> if- you're the first person to ever ask me a question. Oh. So. Well, I could keep, this is what I do, right? <laughs> I know. I've been a guest on your podcast. Yes. Was it two years ago now? A uh, year and a half ago. It was like uh, April, May of 2020? Yeah, you're one of, I think we've had four males on Ivy Unleashed. And uh, not that we're anything against males, but no, our sexist. demographics, a lot of females. <laughs> my wife loves your podcast. I would love to have your wife on my then podcast. do it. Yeah. I'm trying to get her on here too, yeah. but we're just trying to figure out how we could do it without like Keith crying the whole time. Yeah. Because she wants to share her story. I've heard a majority of it, but I don't want to hear the details and that would come up on the podcast. So that makes me nervous. Well, maybe I'll ask her those questions on mine and then you can, <laughs> you guys can talk about how you guys do what you do together because that's pretty badass too. Yeah. You were talking about, do you, so I know you have a treadmill and stuff in your basement and you mm-hmm. have the board with like the 50 the yeah. thing on there um so like there's a 99.9 percent chance if you come here to work out you're gonna see my kids mm-hmm. they're in the gym with me like do your kids gravitate and like kind of want to be like mom by doing that kind of stuff they're definitely starting to so my oldest is nine then seven then four so now the nine and seven year old are starting to be like can i run with you like they'll bike well and i'll run with them and uh i'm trying not to like push anything on them to make them feel like they have to be like me. That's like my biggest thing is I know they are who they are and I don't want to force them to be anything they're not. That's like a huge, huge goal of mine. And so I'm just trying to like lead by example of take care of yourself. However that looks right. And I will ask them, do you want to go on a bike ride with me? I'll I'll run, you know, and I'm kind of asking, like seeing what they like and they are pretty fast, runners that like they're beating people in their classes and they're starting to like it and Mm so i'm kind of letting them lead the way and they've both said that they would like to run a marathon with me and i'm like yes nice but i'm trying not to like put the pressure on them (laughs) that's awesome Mm -hmm. yeah because like uh sutton and knox when i have a workout buddy that comes over and they're out there they're picking up dumbbells or they're just like it's part of their life it was like part of my life growing up too we had a weight room in our basement. My mom was always doing that kind of stuff. So it's interesting to hear what other people's kids are doing if they're mm-hmm. like totally gravitating towards it or running away. 
and I'm on this, like, here's a soapbox I will die on, is once you're a parent, it's no longer your choice to be healthy. Mm. Like, you have a moral obligation. Your kids shouldn't watch you deteriorate when they're young. Yeah. Um, and that's just kind of been something that's, like, been on my mind a lot lately. I'm trying to figure out how to say it tactfully without <laughs> saying, like, you're a horrible parent. Yeah. But well, it's. I'm this I mean, close. Yeah, I mean, it's... That's a big statement, especially in our culture, because that's not like what is like pushed or promoted, you know, in our culture. It's, you know, I don't even know how many clients of mine have been like, well, I'm old now. I'm in my 50s, so I'm not going to run anymore. And it's like, what? Why? You like it. You're capable. Mm -hmm. Who's telling you you can't? But it's like, what is the norm in America? And I think I do think it's important. I mean, they're learning how to take care of themselves through you. So if they see that you eat garbage or you don't exercise, they're going to think that's the norm. Right. And I would say that's me and Jolene's biggest parenting win. I figured parenting would come up a lot on this topic mm -hmm. since I feel you're a good parent too. Oh, is like uh, when my kids get the opportunity to eat like ice cream or a cupcake, they'll eat like half and say I'm good. Mm. Mine won't. Mine will eat 17. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so that's where me and Jolene are like, what do we do to... Yeah not make them feel ravenous around that kind of food and i yeah. think it's like we don't put boundaries on food yeah um that is a parenting win because that's food is tough man like i struggle with this a lot because i feel i have a healthy relationship with food i've never had an eating disorder or like any like i can't have that i can't have this i also have a pretty thin frame so i understand that too but so many women have body image issues and issues with food and i'm so deathly afraid of that that I'm like, you know, in information gathering. How are you parenting around this? What are you doing? Mm -hmm. You know, reading the books on it. And so I'm trying to just like expose them to all foods. And I try not to force them to eat anything. And mine don't do what yours do though. Mine are like, give me all the cupcakes. <laughs> so maybe need to take some tips from you. And that's been the, the interesting thing with myself. At like, and the body image issue thing. Because it's like, nobody wants to bring that up for boys. Mm -hmm. But, like, me and Knox went to Thor yesterday. Mm -hmm. Me and Knox have been to Spider-Man. <laughs> me and Knox have watched Black Panther. Yeah. We've watched Guardians of the Galaxy. What, like, Chris Pratt, not unhealthy. Like, all those characters would describe those characters. Just muscular, beefy. I was going to say sexy, but that's <laughs> probably not what Knox is thinking of. But. Fit. Guys see muscular. that, too. Yeah. But nobody wants to talk about yeah. that, right? And that's kind of been my thing with Knox. Where I'm like, okay, how do we do this? Because I don't want him to deal with what I dealt with. And then, but I also, for lack of better words, don't want him to be a bitch. Like, mm -hmm. um, so how, how do you balance that with your daughters? And how are you going to do it with your son? Yeah. Well, so I am currently doing more strength training than I've ever done. And Cora, my oldest, was who's nine, was um, next to me when I was getting dressed the other day, and I could not pull my pants up over my ass, which for me is a huge win because I've never <laughs> had an ass, and for the first time it like exists. And she was like, "Whoa, your pants are really tight." And I'm like, "Okay, this is gonna be a moment. Here's a moment here where I could fail here and say something." But I was like actually proud of myself. And I was like, yes, you know, my muscles, all the strength training I've been doing is paying off. Like my butt and my, my butt, these are my quads, these are my hamstrings. They're bigger than they've been. So mm -hmm. my pants are tighter. I'm getting stronger, Cora. I was like, sweet, I get to buy new pants. And, and she was like, oh, wow. Yeah, that's, you know, like, and to her, it was a positive thing too, which I could see it, you know, from my childhood, my mom was always overweight and still confident, but like, called herself fat, called herself names, like said, I have a big ass, those types of things that, you know, for some reason didn't really affect me. I think it's maybe because our body types were so different. Um, but I'm just navigating in a way that's like celebrating the progress with building muscle and getting bigger. Right. Or with makeup, you know, they'll ask me, why are you doing that? Like, why are you wearing that? And it's tricky, right? Cause yeah. I want them to mostly see me without it and know that I'm confident without it. But then I, I love getting my eyelashes done or, you know, feel better when I do have a lot of makeup on and I am done up. And so I just, 
I pitch it as like I'm accentuating what I like about myself. I really like that I have green eyes, so I accentuate them with gla with lashes. And that's what I'm going with. And the thing about parenting is like, I don't know what's right. Like, I didn't have this, like, pinnacle experience growing up. My parents did a hell of a lot better than their parents did, and I'm hoping to do the same. But, like, I would say if I have any self-limiting belief, it's, like, am I a good enough mom? Like, or I really, like, messed up today. I could have been more sensitive. I could have been more compassionate. I could have been, I could have listened better. I could have paid more attention. And so those are the thoughts I'm working on, kind of, like... <laughs> You're doing okay. I think you're doing okay. I don't know. And how do you know? Like, how do you know if you're a sucky parent or you're doing okay? I don't know. Right. That's uh, the battle we talk. Like, me and Jolene will have, like, a powwow. And we're like, we're the only people that are doing this. Like, we'll sit in the kitchen and talk for, like, two hours about, like, well, Knox hit Sutton. My response is, Sutton, you need to stand up for yourself and punch him back. And Jolene's like, well, should we be doing that? <laughs> I was like, well, she needs to be strong. She's a girl. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, Justin and I, we... I wish we had more powwows where we like had deep chats. I love that about you and Jolene. It's so great. Um, but we, we both are Christians and like try and model, you know, and totally do this imperfectly, but like taking them to church and you know, what would Jesus do? Right. That's who we are and what we're trying to do. And it's, we messed up all the time, but it's tough, right? Cause you're like trying to teach your kid to stand up for themselves. But like, like what does revenge really do for you? Right. And then it's it's that battle of like it's totally situational. And I don't think there's a right answer. And they have to learn for themselves. They have to mess up. They have to make the mistakes and learn that like, oh, I punched him back and it felt good. And that kid left me alone or I punched him back. And then I felt like shit the rest of the night. I feel like every kid's so different. Right. And we've had that conversation with the kids where it's like if you you're protecting someone, we you'll never be in trouble. Yeah. And I Knox, Sutton, if you're protecting each other, you get kicked out of school for the day, hey, we'll go out to dinner. Like, you did the right thing. Yeah. Um, and that's one thing we're trying to instill into our kids is protect those who are weaker than you. Mm, but if you're that. a bully, you'll get your ass beat by us. And I will know how because, <laughs> yeah, I watched your kids lift weights. Yeah. So it's like, be the nice person, protect those who need to be protected. But if you're ever a jerk, you're going to pay the consequences. I feel like that's a great that's a great way to put it for kids too and i feel like they can understand that right so parenting win hopefully <laughs> i know that's the thing we'll see <laughs> i think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting i feel like people like you and i need to lean on each other i think being parents is so tough like i could cry right now <laughs> like it's so hard and you care so much and it's so fragile like them going in a car is like some days i'm like holy shit my whole family's in a car and I'm not in it. Like, are they going to be okay? And then there's other days where I'm like, they're fine. I'm going away for five days. I need it, you know? And I think you need parents, friends that are, you need to lean on your friends that are parents that don't judge you, that listen to what you're doing. And it might not be right for your family, but you don't judge it because like, this is hard and there's no right answer. And I think that all we're trying to do is our best. And then we can just give each other ideas and hope that they're better people than we are. I don't know. <laughs> I like, I agree with that to a point. Um, I just think some parents need to get the shit. It's like slapped out of them at some point too. Cause it's, I've had conversations with people where like, they don't care about their health. They don't mm. care about like being able to protect their family. Oh, and I'm like, that is your job. Like, but those are your two things, right? You're like a gun man, and you're like a be healthy for your kids man. Those are like your gold standard. Correct. And to me, like that's my job as a parent is to take care of my kids and make sure nothing bad happens to them to the most of my control. And I can control that, right? And that's part of the reason why, like when you were like, holy shit, you're doing jujitsu. Like, and you didn't know that about me because I was I kept it private for a long time, mm -hmm. is... Like, if I'm out with my kids and it doesn't need to go to a tool, like, what skills did I have? Zero. So yeah. I wasn't a competent parent. Mm -hmm. And the biggest pet peeve with that is, like, dads or guys especially, like, oh, I'm a gamer. I'll rise to the occasion. No, you won't. <laughs> you follow the level of your training. So mm -hmm. if it's like you used to get in fights when you are eighth grade, sorry, your kids are getting taken by the person who wants to take them. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of been, like, my, my aha is, like, okay, 
I'm good with a tool, but until it escalates to that, I'm not. And that was kind of like one of the things where I'm like, oh, if I'm going to be a good parent, like I want to be and put out there that my goals are like, I need to be able to protect my kids. Yeah. And that's what propelled me to getting into jujitsu. That's really cool. Yeah. Well, you, I feel like you, like what I observe of you is that you have a, not like a fear, but like a need, right? You've sensed the need. Like I worked with you when Jolene was pregnant mm-hmm. and you recognize there's a need here. I need to be healthy for this person that's coming in the world and you do something about it. Right. And so I feel like that's what any parent can do is like lean in your values. What's valuable to me. What is my fear? What do I feel like I should be taking care of either prior to them being here or once I recognize it and then actually doing something about it is totally different. Right. Okay. You're a health coach. So Mm -hmm. that's the million dollar question. 80% of the country's unhealthy. Mm -hmm. What do you think prevents people from moving from pre-contemplative through contemplation into action? I honestly think the biggest thing that moves people is like tragedy is getting hit so hard in the face with something that stops them because there's so many distractions going on life so fast that majority of people don't change. They don't have this life altering like aha moment. I mean, I live for those moments and I love them. Um, I think it's that. And I also think like people don't recognize it can be fun to be healthy. And when they do, it changes. Like when people discover yoga or like I had a client the other day that cried in water Zumba because she found for the first time in like 50 years something that she loves to do that's active. She thought exercise was terrible. And so I think it's like if you can make it fun and realize it's really not that complicated, that makes the shift. Like it doesn't have to be this overwhelming thing we make it out to be. But yeah, I just, you can't make people change. Like you want to slap it out of them, right? But like how often does that work? And how often does it stick? You know, my, what I think and what I'm trying to do to make the difference for women changing their life and Brooke too with our podcast, Ivy Unleashed is like, one, get at everybody's level of like, you have hard days, it's tough. And you have to take care of your mental health in order to take your physical health or to take care of your physical health. And and that we give an honest like depiction of, okay, this is what we struggle with, but we're not staying stuck there. We're going to do something about it. And this is exactly what we're doing. And then showing up on social media to be like, here's a picture of my day and this is how I make it easy. Like, I will show you through an example of a mom with three kids that I didn't want to prep veggies, so I bought a whole <laughs> veggie tray and I set it on the counter and said, please grab some. Like, how can you... <laughs> Make it easy on yourself because it's actually not that complicated to be an example, to make it convenient, to not stop at McDonald's and go to, I mean, all of these grocery stores now have like convenient spots for grabbing something healthy too. And I get that it, it, you know, there's costs associated too, so that's tough. But then we also try and give tips on that too, like how to make this easy on yourself. So for the person who's like, yeah, everything you're saying is great, but my situation's different. Cause I know you've heard that 12,000 times. hundred percent. Um, how does that conversation start for you with that person? It just has to go deeper. It has to go deeper into like, what's really holding you back here? Like, and most of the time those people haven't done enough work on themselves to recognize that it's just, getting in touch with who you are, what you really want and why you want it, you know, and you can make up excuses all day long of why not to do something. But if you truly know yourself and you know where all those excuses come from, then you can make the shift. So it's just digging into what do you like to do and how often are you doing it? Like, why do you even like, why is this important to you that you're even talking to me about losing weight? Like what, what sparked this? And like, what's going to get you out of bed in the morning? And don't just say your health because that's not working. That is not <laughs> that's not your motivator. Your motivator is not your health. It might be living longer for your kids. It might be, you know, having more energy. It could be, you know, a lot of things. But, like, the things that you're using as excuses are not actually what's holding you back. It's your 
your self-talk. What are you saying to yourself? Okay. And I love learning that. So on that topic, what is like your dream PR marathon time? Ooh. Dream PR. It's always just beating the last one that I've had. So what's your current PR? 314. 314. So I know that 310 mark is huge for a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, because I believe that comes out to a 715 mile or right around there. Yeah. Um, So for you to, you know, reach your next goal, you've done probably what, 30 marathons at this point, 40? I've done 23. 23. Okay. So for to PR at marathon 24, it's going to take something different than what you did for the mm. first 323. Oh, yeah. Um, so talk about that 310, right? Because I mm-hmm. think that's going to be what gets you into Tokyo or <laughs> Berlin or London. I love that you have these international dreams for me. Because yeah. um, you like to travel. Yeah. And the U.S. is boring right now. <laughs> so what would you need to do different in your training, in your life to hit that point? Well, that's a great question. You know, actually not a lot. Not a lot with... You know, I have the time because I have a really supportive partner. Shout out, Justin. Love you. He knows and supports this dream of mine and knows that if I were to meet this goal, I would be a happier wife, happier (laughs) mom. Like, everything would be better Um, because you're proving something to yourself. And it's the most baddest thing you can do. I mean, that's what I coach on all the time. So it wouldn't be really anything different with the time I spend training. It would really just be my mindset in that. And it'd be a lot of self-care. It would be like making sure I'm drinking the water, making sure I'm getting the rest. And um, those things are hard for me for some reason of like being diligent with water and sleep. But um, it would really just be sticking with those training runs and just bumping that pace back. It's really pretty simple. And I have the mindset. Like if I set my mind, anytime I go for a run, I'm like, I'm running 17 miles. I don't ever run 16. I run 17. Even if I have to shit in the woods, I will run 17 (laughs) miles because I just, I know I'm capable of it. And I know if I'm starting to struggle, that's building the character I need to run the 26 faster. So I just, I rarely ever run less than I say. So if I picked a pace, I would figure it out. Okay. So digging deep, since we're nationally board certified health coaches, (laughs) what... What limits you with getting the proper sleep and like, why do you choose to not drink enough water when you're training for a big event? Oh, and also eating shitty. That's another one of my self-sabotaging things. Um, That's a great question. I think there's a part of like worthiness in there where um, I'm going to get real deep into my therapy here. (laughs) Um, You know, I know that I'm capable of like great fucking things, like big things. Like I know it. And there's a part of me that holds me back because there's just like this self-worth thing of like, but do you deserve it? And I don't, I don't exactly know where it comes from. And so I'll self-sabotage with like gummy bears instead of like a healthy snack or staying up too late, having alcohol and drinking more than I know I need to because I just get in that frame of mind of like, like, you don't deserve that. And it's not that I'm saying that in my head, but I know deep down from doing therapy that there's part of like, but is that who you are? That's not where you come from. That's not how your family thinks. Like, who do you think you are type of thing? And so I'm really trying to um, show up for the person I know I am by like writing on my whiteboard, like drink 80 ounces of water today and cross this off like please just do it and so it's just self-sabotage we all do it in our own ways so if you were trying to correct that behavior right how would you set up your day to make sure you go to bed by nine to wake up at four well right now what i'm doing is i am like last night i could have drank in my circle with a bonfire with a bunch of people that i love and are so much fun and i said like i want to be clear-minded tomorrow i want to talk with ray i want to go to church at 9 a.m in my head and so I just had to send a really uncomfortable text. Like, I have to get uncomfortable, like, the opposite way. Like, it's like I'm pulling, like, I'm getting more boring, you know? But, like, it pays <laughs> off. It's hard for me to say no to fun. It's hard for me to say no to whatever it may be that tastes good or is super fun with friends. 
knowing like truly what I want is to be clear-minded tomorrow and not be anxious because I've been getting anxious after drinking lately in the mornings and that's new for me and so I'm like I don't want to feel like that anymore like at some point you get sick of feeling the same shitty way and I'm there like I'm on like I gave up alcohol in April and I'm like this felt so good well sorry (laughs) here I am with whiskey cheers no but I needed it to like I needed it to know what is alcohol bringing that's positive and what's what's it bringing that's negative. So I've been thinking about this a lot because I've gone, like I pretty much didn't drink all of January, February, half of March. Wow. Um, and then been like on and off, like we drink on the weekends. But why is alcohol the only drug you have to justify not taking? What do you think it is about it? Oof. Like, if I told you I was, I'm laying off meth for the <laughs> next three days, you wouldn't be like, well, what do you, what's wrong? It's just socially acceptable. And, and in my circle, everybody uses it for that uncomfortable social awkwardness we all have, whether we want to admit it or not. It is more comfortable to have something in your hand and have that tiny buzz to take the edge off. The second you walk into it, like a neighbor's house, you grab a drink, you get handed a drink, and it's easier for everybody to like break the ice. I don't, I don't know. It just, it does help, and it's. I'm okay with admitting that it it makes you care a little bit less about everything. Oh, I agree, one thousand percent. Like, like I love good whiskey. Like, turn around. There's no cheap whiskey next to you. I don't uh, even recognize anything that's Jameson <laughs> in this room. <laughs> um, but it's why, why is it that way where as soon as someone says, oh, I don't drink or I'm not drinking tonight, mm-hmm. why do they need to spend 15 minutes explaining why they're making a personal choice as an adult? But if I said I'm giving up Coke, yeah. you know, we'd be like, well, aren't you going to have fun tonight? Don't you want just a little bump? Well, I think because a lot of people don't hit that rock bottom with it, right? But I did recognize by, like, I went on a party bus and on a vacation and to a concert in the midst of this no alcohol thing. And so many people have considered giving it up, too. So many people know that they they want to drink less or they they recognize they use it, right? And so... When people were asking me to justify it, I was happy to tell them because I know they're curious because they're also considering it or they recognize how they use it or how shitty it makes them feel or how they wish they drank less or whatever it may be. Or they, it, they're they gaining weight because of it or, you know, whatever, whatever it may be. So in February, I went to a Super Bowl party. Sober. Sober. I was I drank about 14 Heineken double zeros. <laughs> Are those good? <sighs> they're delicious. Are they're, they? Yeah. They're, oh, they taste exactly like real Heineken. Okay. Because um, I love beer. But people are like, well, why aren't you drinking? And my turnaround question would be like, why are you drinking? Why are you? <laughs> and they would go on and be like, okay, like. But what did they say? Oh, just like, oh, I'm just trying to have fun. And then my, you know how I talk to people. I was like, my personality is not that shitty where I need. <laughs> and I don't care, though. Yeah. But that's kind of where my, like, and it's the same with food. My mother-in-law, I love her to death. Cheryl, I love you. Love you, Cheryl. Her love language is food. Mm. So it's like we go to the cabin. Strawberries with sugar, crepes, popovers, everything under the sun. Like, she has a drawer full of candy. That's like my crack drawer, right? <laughs> so food's the same way. And I know... um you know from talking to people that food's the same way. How do you tell your clients to navigate food? I say never say never to anything. That's how I roll. I'm I'm not a you can't you can't give up less, less, less. I'm like, let's think about what we can have an abundance of and see how good we can feel. So where's your water? Where are your veggies? Where are your fruit? I just start with that. And that's hard enough. That's hard enough to like, okay, I'm going to eat a salad a day. Like to get to a salad a day 
is enough work for a year to get to that, right? And so with food, I I don't touch it probably nearly as much as you do because I know it's such a sensitive thing, especially with women, where I think you should enjoy food. And I think if there's strawberries with sugar on them, I'm not going to lose sleep over the sugar that's on them. I'm just not. And I feel like I have a healthy relationship with food and I really want to make sure people know that like food is not bad any of it that's how i feel and we're probably different on that no i'm 100 percent with you there's no such thing as a bad food okay because as soon as you start labeling that yeah that's how you develop an eating disorder you take the shame out take the guilt literally like we are trained to have emotions with food i mean somebody dies what do we do we eat, eat. somebody has a birthday what do we do we eat somebody is born is born there's food involved so how can you not have emotions involved with it so let's keep the good ones and let's see how we can reduce the bad ones as much as we can. You know, like, I, I can't go anywhere with any girlfriends without being like, well, I'm trying this new thing. I, I'm doing this detox. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Like, can we just bring a veggie tray and just eat it first right. and focus on, like, let's get rid of that plate. And then, like, let's also have desserts and enjoy them. So I'm with you. But I think at a certain point, you've been to the airport. You know, it's, it's getting not, better. You know it's not a healthy country is what I'm getting at. Yeah. Oh, you, the people, yeah. You see the people. Yeah. And so, like, I have this thing where it's like, I think this time of the year is the best time to start making a change in your life. There's no holiday coming up. Until, we got six weeks until Labor Day, so there's no holiday. You might have a birthday or an anniversary in there, but it's not. You hear this in April most of the time with people trying to make changes. It's like. Well, it was the new year, and then the Super Bowl came up, then it was Valentine's There's Day, Easter. and then St. Patrick's Easter. Yeah, it's 4th of July. Yeah, Memorial Day, 4th of July, Labor Day. President's Day. Yep. No, I'm just kidding. Halloween, Thanksgiving, There's Passover, Christmas, New Year's, then we're back to the beginning. Right now, you have like six to seven weeks to make that huge change. Sorry, I had a bug in my face. Um, they didn't see it. <laughs> but... I know we have a little bit differing views on how to get to the end result, but we want the same thing for people. Yeah. When do you bring out, because on my podcast with you, we talked about tough love. Mm. When do you draw that line in the sand and say, okay, you're kind of being an asshole about this? I would say mostly like my clients don't come to me for the tough love. They come to me with like how to be consistent. I would definitely come to you when I want to go hard <laughs> and want my ass kicked, right? My clients don't come for me come to me for tough love the way that i would say my tough love with my clients is to be like so what i'm hearing is for you shifting to this healthier you know eating mentality is not a priority for you right now and they're like oh no 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 it is i'm like all right but that's not like what you're saying and what you're doing are two different things and i just show the alignment like any coach would right but that's as far as I go, because if they don't want it, they're not going to change it. And if I'm an asshole to them, it's not going to like it's going to show up in their day. You know, they have to go live their life the other 23 hours of the day and they're going to do what they feel internally and internally. They don't give a shit. So they're not actually going to do it. Why do you think they don't give a shit? Um, I, w I always think everything goes back to self-worth. I think it's like if you think you're worthy of this shift you want, you will do it. If you think you're worthy of the body you want, if you think you're worthy of the dreams you have for your business or for your family, you'll do it. Like, I can't make you want that. Like, I will be here for the accountability. I think accountability is huge. I think that's why people do things sometimes. But if you don't actually care yourself, you know, and I, I know you've seen change by slapping the shit out of people in different ways that you do it. Not like physically, but that this tough love but i think like people are ready for that when they come to you and i just like i won't give them that how i do it is in my podcast talking about when i experience those like i'm struggling with this but this is how i kicked my own ass it's like showing by example how to push through that like like no willpower like i'm like you know what one day i got sick of it i'm like i have anxiety after I drink, so I'm giving it up for a month to recognize my shitty patterns and the excuses I'm saying and how I don't want to be a tired mom in the morning. I don't want to be a hungover mom. I don't want to have anxiety. I don't even know what to do about anxiety besides going for a run, but I can't because my heart's racing so fast. <laughs> like, you have to get, I think you just have to get sick of your own shit. And then I think 
that's why my coaching is powerful is I'm just explaining to you what I see and that I believe in you and that I'm here for when you fail again for us to strategize on how to like just help you push you through that and recognize you are worthy of this shift. You do need to make yourself a priority if you're a parent. You do need to make yourself a priority just because you're a human being that deserves a full life and you can't do that if you don't have energy. And you can't have energy if you're eating like shit all the time. So it's just like this. So what do you think got us to the point where 80% of the country is unhealthy? Hmm. Like I have my ideas. But I'd love to hear a female perspective. Million ideas. I mean, like in terms of the walk through the airport, that that look, or going to the beach. Like you've seen the pictures side by side, like the beach during the '60s. Everyone's fit. There's no overweight people there. Yeah. Versus the beach now, there's more unhealthy, overweight people than there are fit, healthy people. What do you think's caused that change in a very, very, very short period of time? I think it's a lot of systems that are in place, a lot of convenience factors that are in place that think it's healthcare. I think it's a million things. I think when you see it, maybe you see it a little bit more physical. When I see it, I see a bunch of hurting people. That's what I see too. I see okay, like the unhealthy mental part. I, and when I see it, I look at women. You, I mean, I think you are, your target audience is like both. And I am like, I'm drawn to helping women, especially mothers. And I look at them and I think of how we are beat down with like, especially in like the 90s, the thin, the picture of the thin models and all the eating disorders that have become of that. And just women, what we see, what we hear. I think there's a lot of sad women. I think there's a lot of abused women. I think that self-worth is just like something we have to acknowledge, especially with women, men too, but like. I just see people that feel like they they don't deserve to feel good. And there's a million reasons why. But like we have to focus on mental health because that's that's everything. And that's that's what I think personally is like wrong um on a multiple multitude of levels like um like my house is filled with guns, right? I'm not going to be the person that goes and does something horrible with a tool, right? People, my dad was telling me and my uncles were telling me, like, they used to bring their guns to school and shoot as part of school. Right? Yeah. So guns have been here for a bazillion years. But it's only been since, like, the mental health breakdown since, like, 96, 95, somewhere in there, where that's become a thing. Yeah. So, like, that's where my head goes is, like, what happened from the mid-70s when my dad was in high school, like, where shooting was a part of school like they got their hunter's ed in public school like every kid got that it that is wild i would never want my kid holding a gun i know we're i feel like we are in different stances when it comes to guns i don't know if we should go here but i i can't imagine and i think it's because i never grew up with guns like guns have always scared me and it, it's just what you're around i think and like knowing gun safety and knowing but it was taught in schools right and the yeah. respect for guns was taught in schools and the respect for what a gun can do yeah. was taught in schools so like if you see i look at guns in a different way 100 percent. you Gun, and, I, and i don't it's, i know nothing about guns so i'm probably not the person that would like go head to head with you on anti-gun but the thing i'm i think for a woman a woman owning a gun is probably the safest thing you could do for yourself because like colin noir says it best i don't know if you know who that is Mm-mm. um he's a black dude lives in texas he's an attorney huge 2a guy um that's the only level the way you can level the playing field if i want to do something bad to you which i would never do obviously yeah that's the only way you have a chance yeah and that's like i'm jolene like somebody breaks into the house like what do you do she knows to go to the bedside safe put it to their temple pull the trigger it's over but if she didn't have that tool if somebody broke into our house and there's bad people. What's going to happen? My house got broken into six years ago, and I'm glad we weren't home. And if you were home by yourself, what could have happened? See, my brain is just, it doesn't work like yours. I feel like you are... I grew up with a law enforcement house. Right, you did. <laughs> and I didn't grow up with, I grew up with parents that weren't even home. So right. like In Richland Center, Wisconsin. Right. right. <laughs> I, you know what I would do? 
I would bust out a window and run because that's what I know. But how your to kids do. are home. Right, I'd have them one on my back and two in my arms, and I'd be running. <laughs> Hopefully, like, right, exactly. Yeah. But like in my mind, like my my mind doesn't go to guns. My mind doesn't go to like even that people are going to break in my house. Right, I am a believer that in those scenarios, I would just have to learn the hard lesson because I've never, I've never, you right. know what I mean. I don't. I also feel like there's part of it that's kind of living in fear of that happening too it just doesn't cross my mind and i feel like it's it's definitely something to consider like what would happen but i'm also not going to live in fear about it but i see your stance on like but be prepared you're a parent like what would you do how would you protect your family same reason like we have a fire extinguisher we have two i don't ever expect our house to start on fire or burn down Mm -hmm. but it's here yeah um but that's a topic for another day. Yeah. I think I should have somebody else that's like a little bit more into gun safety. Maybe you go head to head with somebody else. No, like it's not even like, uh, I hate trying to change people's minds. That's probably been my biggest growth. Like your thoughts are not who you are. And that's, I got that from Rogan. It's like, yeah, my, my stance on drugs has changed dramatically in the last five, 10 years. Um, my thoughts on alcohol have changed dramatically my thoughts on government have changed dramatically like mm-hmm. and that's kind of been my big thing and i know you like to think too because you read you challenge yourself and things like that um so with that like how do you like to challenge yourself mentally that doesn't involve anything physical mm, i love that well i first of all like to stay humble in the fact that i know i always have more to learn this is a perfect example of a topic <laughs> where I don't even want to speak too much on it because I know I have so much to learn. I, I can admit I don't know exactly what the gun laws are and all of that. I I know that there's always more to learn and more to learn from people. And so that's why I read. Like, I, I love learning, especially people's stories in their life. Like, what have you been through that, like, I would have no clue about? And, like, uh, Goggins with a, an abusive father. You know, knowing there's probably half the population walking around that had an abusive father, right? And, like, how does that affect you? How are you the way you are? And it gives you more compassion for people to know, like, we all have a story. We all have things we've been through. And then it gives you a new perspective of, I was so close-minded on what it would have been like to be gay. Or what it would have been like to grow up in that era. Or whatever it may be. And so, I would say the way I challenge myself is just, like, choosing authors that are kind of, like, just different than me whether they're different race orientation uh also i like reading from people that are uber successful like grew up with a shit ton of money and still have it like how did that work like what did you do you know and i've learned so much about how everyone just literally does the next thing that makes sense and i've figured out so much in my business that i literally can just watch a youtube video and I know how to edit a podcast and put it on YouTube and put it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I would have never thought I could have figured that out. But everybody has had this story. They've been through some shit. They figured it out. Like, why can't I? Okay. Yeah. Now, the hardest question of the day. It's my favorite one to ask. Um, how old are you now? 36. Okay. So go back half your life. Okay. You're in your parents' bedroom. You get one chance to tell 18-year-old version of you something. What are you telling her? 18-year-old version. So I've about to leave the house, head out into the real world. You're going to the U of M in a month. Oh. I would tell her, I even think of like younger Andrea. I would just say, keep rooting into your faith as your foundation for everything. I would say keep learning. Never stop that. Weed out the bad energy. Keep weeding that. I've always been a pretty good judge of character. Keep weeding out the bad energy and know that you are capable of those dreams that are in you. Like you are 100% capable of them. Just don't stop chasing them. And then on that, what's one dream you haven't met yet? Ooh write a book what's the topic oh i go back and forth between two things one is just like life lessons like breakdowns should i've learned into how it spoke to me 
Because, like, you get those imposter syndrome things of, like, oh, people have done that before. But, like, no one has lived the life that you've lived or has your story and how you've accomplished things or gotten through things. So that or sometimes I think about writing a book to, like, either teenage kids or, like, 8 to 12-year-olds on divorce and how to stay true to you and positive during a toxic as hell environment and how you will get through it and can have healthy relationships because I really needed that book and somehow I think I have a pretty healthy relationship and have had really high standards for men somehow through a pretty toxic situation so I kind of want to write a book for those kids too okay very random perfect (laughs) well it was fun yes thanks for having me you're welcome